Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes, good evening. You're listening to Love Sport Radio. It's the Spurs fan show. The guys from the last word on Spurs. Good evening. How are we? We well? Not bad, Jake. Not bad. Yeah. Oh, good, mate. How have things been since we were last here together? Because obviously you've got to remember that, you know, you usually hear sat with Aaron and you talk, you know, you get into the rhythm, you talk about certain things and I only get you sporadically. And now I think last time we were here, it was just after the Inter Milan Champions League away game. So what's really been big since then? I don't, I don't remember that. No, no <laughs> recollection of that whatsoever, mate. I mean, I could remind you, but I'm not going to because I think you're lying to me, Barnaby. <laughs> Nothing's really changed, mate. We've struggled in the Champions League and we've mm. picked up three points pretty much every week away from home in the Premier League. So not, not a lot of change. Because that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, Spurs have had a little bit of negative kind of from the outside press this year. But when you look at the table, the facts, the away points... It's really actually as as good, if not better, than where you've been the last few seasons. So, what? Why do you think this has been? Can Can you put your finger on why? It's difficult. I mean, Spurs fans as a whole. I, we, me and Bud have chatted about this outside. We're a very expectant bunch, mm. and I think to the point where obviously there's been frustration this season about the stadium. As we all know, I think that's where the biggest element of <laughs> criticism has been. Yeah. And to be fair, there's nothing Pochettino can do. And there's nothing the players can do about that. For me, they're doing their business on the field and they show that. You know, and you have to bear in mind the fact of no stadium, the fact of no summer signings, the multiple injuries. I mean, I don't know any other club that has had the amount of injuries we've had to start a season and then throughout it. So it's been a tremendous effort. And then again at the weekend, you question, can this Spurs side go away from home to a place of Crystal Palace on an evening game where the crowd are always up for it? They're buoyant. And again, we've come through it. And I know a lot of people look at the style of the football maybe not being so great, but for me... I'll always be a person of points over performance and I'm yeah. delighted to get the three points. Because I suppose that is the thing. From from an outside perspective, you know, for, for, for me, I look at Spurs, if I wasn't to look at the league table, I'd say you haven't been as slick and as and as easy on the eye and maybe as efficient 
as you have been under previous seasons. Yeah, is, I mean, that, is that a fair comment? I think the, I think it's quite. You know, bearing in mind from how the season started, um, no signings, as you mentioned, uh, what's going to happen with the stadium. All of the players uh, coming back from the semi-finals of the World Cup late, yeah. no uh, pre-season training for any of them, etc., etc. So easy, from my point of view, for the press to get on that and say, well, because of all these reasons, Tottenham are going to have a bad start. And it's almost as if the press are still trying to hang on to the coattails of that expectant bad start a little bit so that, you know, yeah, now it, now it's not, oh, Spurs, you know, I think they're expecting us to be middle t- mid-table at this point like Man United are. <laughs> because we're not, they're like, okay, well, Spurs aren't playing very well. They're winning ugly. They're not great. They're not this. They're not that. But actually, as you said, and I think this is where, you know, all props to Maurizio Pochettino, he manages to find a way through all of these things no matter what happens. It happens every season. And right now, the real issue, as you mentioned, is the you know the eight, nine injuries or something like that. And and everyone at the beginning of the season saying, well, Spurs haven't got any depth. They didn't buy any players. No squad depth. But we're proving we really are bringing players through who haven't had their chances before, who are doing well. Juan Foyth, you know, mm. the press got on his back, gave away two penalties. But he had a great game that game. And now he scored the winner this week. And it's like, oh, it's, uh, you know, back from the dead. But actually, he's proving himself under limited opportunity to be a great signing at the money we spent for him. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's easy for the press to have a narrative and we haven't quite fit into that narrative. Yeah, so obviously Harry Winks missed the large majority of last season injured. Gazaniga's always been back up. Juan Foyth was a young player who came in. Lucas Moore took a little bit of time to settle last year. There's four players right there who have almost, I'm not going to say new signings because they're not, but do you know what I mean? They, and Eric Lamella as well. Eric really, exactly. And they've really brought life to the Spurs side mm-hmm. this year, which actually managed to help you, you know, deal with this huge injury list, which you've got. I mean, because it is huge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think like, you know, our best signing would have been injury lawyers for you because we've just gone through so many and one of the players you missed off is is our man who's just been recalled to the French squad and you know, he's even got people singing his name on the so terrace okay. now. So yeah. and, and and not in not mocking him anymore. So <laughs> yeah. it's been nice you know, so many have come in and, and, and done the job that they've had to do. Serge Aurier, I think, has come in, you know, you saw him have to come off the bench Saturday. We always worry when Aurier's in the team that that rash moment, that brainless moment will come. But even his, when he's played this year, has actually defended actually yeah. pretty well. His delivery still isn't great, but his, his basic job of defending this year, there hasn't been the rash challenge. There hasn't been the stupidity. So, you know, everyone that's come in has done a job. Even when Yama was back finally Saturday and he got through 90 minutes which I thought was a reasonably good comeback for him, bearing in mind how long he's been out. So, no, it's, it's, it's all good in that respect. Yes, 12 games in. The only teams that are above you are three unbeaten teams in the Premier League. So, you know, if it wasn't for the, the, the flying form of those other ones, who knows where you could be? You know, you, I, I don't know the, the stats in, in front of me, but I'd imagine under previous season of 27 points, nine wins from 12 games, you wouldn't be far off second and third by this point of, of the year, which is it, it's something that, you know, it is easy, definitely being forgotten. So obviously the last win... Um, a, a, a point, a three points, a, 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 just the one goal at Crystal Palace. What did you make of that result? Was it very much deserved, or was it hard work? And you know, you, you know what I mean? Did you just edge it on the day, perhaps? I think it was half full. We had to, you know, fight half for it. And again, I think this Spurs side again. We have injuries. You know, as Barnaby's touched upon as well. We lose Trippier so early on in that game. Dembele also also is injured at the moment. He's flown off to Qatar to get treatment, obviously, on this ankle injury. Davidson Sanchez, we're going into this game thinking Davidson Sanchez could be part of a back four. He's injured. He's picked up another you know problem there. So that's, a, again, another concern. 
And this Spurs team, as we said there, Barnaby, you know, whatever happens, Pochettino just seems to have that answer to be able to come back, find a way to win. And this is what this Tottenham side are doing. I mean, again, on the style of football, I'd agree we're not at our best. We haven't hit any kind of form yet. But in a way, that kind of excites me that we haven't yet Uh. seen the best of this Tottenham side because we're going to need to save that form for the games we've got coming up after the international breaks, the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Inter Milan. I just think at the moment, there's nothing wrong in showing this kind of side to you where you can grind out the results. And as Barnaby mentioned about one fourth, I'm just so pleased for the boy that he scored his goal because the week before he probably felt awful the mm. fact that he gave two penalties away. But did he not play particularly? He played well in that re- game. You know he played really mistakes. well that game. But yeah. you know it was with those mistakes that Winks and Trippier mm. didn't help him at Sold all. Him down the river a little yeah, bit. Yeah, him down the river completely. And Jace made a great energy and analogy on our podcast that it was almost like Foyth was caught next to the, the dead bodies as such right. um, the fact with the penalties he was yeah. really really unlucky but he came back and credit the Pochettino the man management he showed to keep faith with him not bring him off the week before and he's repaid his faith with a big big goal against Palace and all three points yeah and, that, and the other thing just to mention about um the two penalties specifically. If if you know if that had happened to Alderweireld of Vertonghen and he'd been thrown under the bus by Trippier and uh, and Winks, they would have got up and shouted right at them, and you'd know you you know they'd know about it. But because he's a young kid, he's on his first start. That's not going to happen. So it's easy for everyone to say, oh, you know, two mistakes. But absolutely right, the mistakes came earlier, and he was he was sold sold down a river, like you said. Um, I should say about just just uh, to answer your question about the Palace game, I don't think I've ever seen many teams go and absolutely destroy Palace at Sellers Park. Like you said, about it being a night game as well, it's a tough ground, tough place to go, and you've really got to grind that, that match out. We have done the last few seasons. Ericsson with the last-minute winner uh, a season ago, or uh, two seasons ago, last year at Sellers Park. I think Harry Kane with the last-minute header. Yeah, last second. So it's always difficult there, but if you get a clean sheet there, I think you've got a chance of nicking it. And, and you know, dare I say, Arsenal didn't beat them there a few weeks ago, and, and at the moment... If you're looking to compare the two teams, and one of the teams is being talked about as having their best season in years and playing the best football they've played in years, they're not they're not turning over those teams that we're managing to get the wins against. So, you know, like, like I said before, Pochettino uh, is just doing a fantastic job. I think a word on Palace though, because they've tailed off quite, you know, alarmingly. I think over the last couple of months. What what did you make of them? In, in any kind of trouble? Do you think this year if they carry on the way they are? Well, they had 11 players out injured with Zaha missing, didn't they? So that's, that's their entire team. Zaha, you, know, yeah. so you might as well say that, that, that's it. They have no team left. So, you know, you usually suffer curse of the old boy, but Andros has never really had a particularly great game against us. Not yet. So, you know, that they were the only two worries, I think, going into it was Zaha and, and the old boy returning. After that, you know, Palace haven't got too much. They huffed and they puffed and yeah. they're a little bit short of quality at times. But Miss um, Kabai, I think, probably. Yeah, and they, a little he, bit he like that probably, in midfield. You know, a bit of yeah, a bit of quality in midfield for them. But the chance, obviously, that the end that Sorloff misses, it's the type of chance. I mean, if you're down the bottom, you've got to take that, haven't you? It's just he's lashed at it when he had he had the whole goal to aim at, and you think if that chance falls to Kane, you just pass it into the bottom yeah. corner rather than smash it straight at a goalkeeper. And but still a good save from Hugo, and you know another one that's come under a lot of criticism. But actually, over the last three or four league games. Man of the match at West Ham and an excellent game at Wolves and yeah he flapped at a couple of crosses but he still made some big saves on on Saturday evening so I'll say to you Jace I think we'll probably get into it after the break but I think Hugo yeah in the start of that game for me again flappy not confident at all from corners and I just also concern me that the back four how stable do they feel with him there you know Gazaniga's you know Gazaniga in the last games he's come in he's performed so well and don't get me wrong I don't think there's gonna be any 
chance that he's going to drop Hugo Lloris. He's the club captain. Pochettino absolutely adores him. But I just wonder, and I hope that with Gazaniga now pushing him, that it will up his game. I hope that competition will spur him on, pardon the pun. Yeah. I really hope it will. <laughs> well, it, yeah. w- it works both ways because whilst, whilst they might be unsettled by him with a number of changes, mm. it also works his way yeah. that he doesn't know who's... You know, yeah. he's got no protective midfield player in front of the back four mm. at the times at the moment. He's got different right back. He's got different centre-halves in front of him every week. So it's also hard for him to, to get into that real rhythm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Spurs fans, what would you do? Hugo Lloris, is he, has he seen his best days? Love sports. Yeah, it's the Spurs fan show of the guys from The Last Word on Spurs. Uh, just before that quick break, we were talking about the goalkeeping situation. I, I suppose we can call it a situation now because, you know, Hugo Lloris has been in and out through, for various reasons. Gazaniga, for me, out of nowhere, has proven himself to be a really quite competent goalkeeper. Do you know, it's funny, when he first came on the scene oh, about a year and a half ago, we saw him against, I think it was Palace, wasn't it? It was Palace, the home game at Wembley. Mm. And in that opening stages, he looked himself incredibly flappy Ugh. from corners and we thought God this is the a bit last time I saw him when I was a kid at Southampton yeah wasn't great was he no God, it wasn't that great and to be fair I don't know what's happened in this last year or so maybe it's the Spurs you know, the goalkeeping coach there Tony Jimenez he really does seem a lot more stable now I mean don't get me wrong there were times in the games what we've seen him recently there has been the occasional flat but mm. overall he's made some pivotal saves in big games at crucial times and you do just question, you know, Hugo, recently we have seen, you know, moments of indecisiveness. It's just I a, don't think he looks It's the a same. poor lack of judgment from Hugo mm. at times. Again, the weekend, Jace makes a good point. Yeah, maybe the amount of changes is alarming for him. But at the same time, Hugo normally, as we saw the last year or so, before he's had these incidents, he's been so commanding of his six-yard box. You'd, you wouldn't even question that he'd come out, catch a ball. But he doesn't see yeah. himself, uh, Jake. A few weeks ago, when you played Man City, it was the the goal from Riyad Mahrez and it was it was a mistake from Trippier where he That's misjudges right. the ball in the air and he ends up flicking it backwards. Now, I feel like I'm probably being really harsh on Hugo Lloris here, but I just feel that the Lloris of a few years ago would have been that sweeper keeper, would have been almost waiting and anticipating that and would have, would have got that. And whilst it's not directly his fault, that goal, mm. I just feel that a few years ago he was that good that he would have stopped that from happening. Yeah, I look. I'm. Uh, I used to play in goal myself, uh, so I feel like uh, I have extra special Goal thoughts on this kind of stuff. Goalkeepers <laughs> Union. I, I would never say a bad word against Hugo Lloris. What I would say, however, is if you try and put this in a, a human aspect, he has won the World Cup this summer. So he's achieved basically the the, the yeah. biggest thing you can achieve as a player. Um, he's come back with very little rest afterwards, and. You know, for me, the the big thing that kind of shows the human side of this is what happened with him and the drink driving thing. That that was so far removed from what we perceive Hugo Lloris to be. Mm. And I think for me, and this is just my opinion, but you see that and you think, okay, well, there's something not quite right with him at the moment. And is it that, you know, he's achieved this great thing in his life and now he has to refocus and, and have new goals and stuff like that. And maybe he's just in the midst of all of that. And I, and I think that has affected him a little bit on the pitch. However, what I would also say is there is a reason why he's number one and there's a reason why up until very recently Paolo Gazzaniga was number three, even behind Michel Vorm. Uh. And those goalkeeping coaches work with those guys every single day. And Pochettino has shown himself to be ruthless enough over the years where if there was a real problem and he really wasn't the right person to be on the pitch, he wouldn't be on the pitch whether he's club captain or not. 
And I will always say with Hugo, he will save us as many goals as he will make mistakes in terms of that decision-making. I totally agree with you that Man City one was a mistake and potentially at a different time in his career, he might have made a better decision on that or stayed on his line. So I wouldn't call it a mistake. It. I just think that he, that would... Him coming out and clearing that up separated him from being a good goalkeeper to a brilliant yeah. one. And I think right now he's he's just playing like a good goalkeeper. Yeah. And and you you mentioned you know the drink driving thing mm-hmm. and, and the World Cup. Absolutely, you know they're, they're very valid points. But I'd go as far as to say that this Hugo Lloris, this in, in different form as was before then was it, it it's been kind of a, a gradual decline which has kind of just got to the point now where people are really starting to, to question but really if you look at the bigger picture performances haven't quite been at that same level for, for quite a while I, I would say as well for the city thing where you, know, you got criticism you've got to put that into the context that two weeks before he comes rushing off his line against Barcelona exactly. and he's blamed for it mm. and then he goes to PSV and gets accused of rushing off his line too he quickly did. and bringing somebody <laughs> down so you know when that next ball comes over the top and you think the last two times I've come charging off my line I haven't got there and I've been blamed for everything it's bound human nature means yeah. there's that seed of doubt in your mind do I get there but, but it was the, it was the nature and it was that instinct that he had where he didn't need to think about it because he, he was just doing it and he was getting it right but now because he's made the mistakes he's now having to think about it and it means he's making more mistakes do you know I mean he's he's now questioning himself it looks like uh, I, look, I think he's he's on a hiding to nothing. I think, you know, there's a, a, a lot of Spurs fans who will say, well, Hugo's always made mistakes in quite big games, actually. High profile, High profile yeah. games. Um, I think personally, and maybe, you know, this is the goalkeepers union or whatever, I'd say the way that we play and the way that uh, the, the high the high press and the, uh, the way that the defence pushes up means that Hugo has to make those decisions and will therefore get a fair few of them wrong, unfortunately. For me, there's only one better goalkeeper than him at that role, and that's Manuel Neuer. Although, admittedly, Edison and Allison are, are very, very good goalkeepers, but we can't afford to pay the money for the kind of replacement we would need to get to replace Hugo Lloris. So, for me, he's absolutely the right man, the best man for the job. And, yeah, maybe he's going through a little bit of a lull, but I still think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. And that West Ham game is a perfect example of that. You've also seen Edison, who's who's become probably other than David Ahea seen as the number two in the Premier League. In the last week, he's come charging out twice, give two penalties away. Yep. And so, you know, it happened on Saturday, didn't it? Or Sunday with yep. Lukaku and it happened with Shakhtar. So, yep. you know, they all, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, no, uh, there's no safety goalkeeper that, that doesn't make mistakes. And Jordan Pickford sure. tried to Cruyff turn the dude in the Spanish <laughs> game and, uh, and they yeah. gave away a penalty. There you go. There so, you go. yeah, it's, it's a tough job, but uh, I think he's a great goalkeeper. Gazaniga? Any potential there in terms of actually being a number one, or do you think not yet? No, because he's not a kid yeah. though. This is he's the thing. Not you're right. Is that, you're right. He's at a point now. You think in his career, he want he should be wanting to go somewhere and mm. be number one. He shouldn't want to be sitting on the bench as number two. And you do think for him now having the amount. I say he's had experience. He's only had four or five games, but will the fact that he's had those games this season and he's played well in them, made some big saves, where he maybe question at the end of the season if he doesn't get any more games. Okay, do I need to maybe move on because I don't see Luis this being his final season at the club. I don't think that's a case like that. I think Pochettino, as we said, he loves him. He's the club captain. He kind of embodies everything about this Tottenham side. Therefore, I think Hugo's place is safe for now. However, I think if we saw throughout the season there was still more mistakes, then you would have to question whether you do look to bring Gazaniga in. Yeah. The other thing I would say with, with Gazaniga is there's an entirely different approach to him being seen as a number two than there is for a number one. So when he plays as a number two, 
if he makes a small mistake but then makes a couple of saves, everyone's quite happy. They think, well, he came in and did the job and, and made a couple of saves. And I mean, you know, PSV is a prime example. He tries the Cruyff turn, didn't he? <laughs> Got away with it. But if you're the number one goalkeeper, people will see the errors before they see the good things you do. So Hugo can make four or five great saves, but one mistake... And that's what will get highlighted. Whereas Gazaniga would get the five saves highlighted and not the one mistake. Yeah, OK. So Gazaniga, um, do you think he has got that potential? Um, he's six foot five, by the way. I never, never thought he'd be that big. And of course, being called up to the Argentina uh, squad in the last few weeks. So good competition at the very least. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. Love Sport Radio. It is the Spurs fan show with Jake Watson here on with the guys from the last word on Spurs. We're going to go straight to our phone lines. We've got a caller, Stuart, obviously a big Spurs fan. Good evening, Stuart. How are you? Good evening. Yeah, really good. Thank you. How's everyone? Hello, Stuart. Oh, well, Stuart. Not bad. Thanks. We are all very well indeed. Thank you. So, Stuart, what is it that you want to say this evening? So, basically, I'm a regular listener to the show. I um, really enjoy it. Top work. Cheers, um, Stuart. I'm just interested to hear your take on um, Eric Dyer in particular. Um, he's obviously proved to be a really useful player, um, a utility kind of player for Spurs um, over his time there. Um, but what with the prominence of Yuan, uh, well, Foyth recently, um, do you think his long-term future is more suited to a centre-back role? Or can you see it? Do you think he's, you know, death, well, he's going to carry on in the central midfield role that he's more recently played in? I'm just interested to hear the guy's take on that. Yeah, hello, mate. Uh, Barnaby here. How are you doing? Uh, very good yeah, question. Yeah, not bad, thing. Yeah, very good question, I think, because I've been interested by Eric Dyer's form over the last year or so, and I've certainly noticed a, a kind of uh, element of the Spurs community who've been talking the same way, especially since, um, I think it was, you know, a year and a half ago, Man United, Mourinho was trying to buy him pretty hard, I think. And then Pochettino mentioned in his book that it seemed like he'd had his head turned. Uh, in terms of positionally, I do think that's fascinating. For me, I think Pochettino obviously still sees him as that defensive midfielder. And especially at the moment where Wanyama is, there's something not quite right with Wanyama. There are rumours around him potentially leaving and rumours that maybe he's got a, a kind of chronic knee injury. Uh, I can definitely foresee Dyer still playing mainly in that role. But also, a lot of the talk has been that everyone sees Dyer, Pochettino and the coaches, coaching staff see Dyer as being a centre-half in the long term. What, um, As well as what you mentioned with Juan Foyth, I was really fascinated to watch him and think. I started thinking to myself, you know, I could really see Juan Foyth being the long-term replacement for Jan Vertonghen. Um, I think similar players, very comfortable with the ball at their feet, great at playing those between-the-lines balls and just very comfortable on the ball. Um, and then maybe potentially, if we're looking long term, I wonder then if Dyer becomes a natural replacement for Alderweireld. Um, obviously, I'd love him to stay for the next three or four years, but not sure if that's realistically going to happen. Um, but in answer, I don't know. And I think, you know, just to finish off, he's so young, Eric Dyer. So he's done so much so young. Um, he's definitely allowed to have a period of time where his form isn't as great as it has been. Uh, and, you know, that first season, especially the the kind of season where we just lost out to Leicester, I thought he was absolutely unbelievable. So um, we'll see. But I think we're very lucky to have him, certainly. I think as well with... Yeah, definitely. I think with Wayne Foyth as well, you know, we're talking about a player that's only played two Premier League games. So I think for the time being, before we even think about switching him into midfield roles and, and things like that, let him get 20, 30 games under his belt. Let him get the various tests. I said on the podcast last night, he was tested Saturday against Andros Townsend up front, which would be very different to him if you're playing Troy Deeney, which will be entirely different when it's Sergio Aguero. 
he may well be tested by Alabama Yang. So let's let's see how he copes with those. Let him settle into the team, feel comfortable in the team. Let those in the team really get their confidence and understanding of his game, and then we'll start to see maybe next season you can you can start to think about him positionally. But at the moment, I just want to see Wayne Foyth try and, and come in and play play a, a period of games in his in the position that we're seeing him in, and, and just get some experience in that way. Stu, let me ask you. As you listen to the show probably regularly, you'll know that Eric Dyer is probably one of the players that we've said on the podcast that if the Spurs team are going to really push on and look to get close to Man City and look to progress in the Cups, that maybe Eric Dyer is a player you would look to maybe upgrade upon if the money's right. You know, there's players out there, as you know, the likes of Undumbele has been mentioned. Fabulous, fabulous player. Maybe slightly different to the role Eric Dyer plays. Would he be a player, when you look at this squad, you'd maybe argue now is one of the weaker ones. What's your take on it? Uh, yeah, quite possibly. Like I think, obviously, Eric Dyer's great, like um, the hard sort of hitting kind of player in, in the sense that he loves a good tackle, doesn't he? Um, but and maybe creatively, he lacks a little bit. Um, so maybe I'd, I'd be looking to upgrade on someone that's still got that combative kind of element to it, but with a bit more creativity, maybe um, to kind of bring the team on that little bit further, almost in the mould of Dembele, but with a bit more sort of um, you know legs because I feel like Dembele is coming to the end of his uh, career, unfortunately, yeah. as great a player as he's been. I think um, I think yeah. as well with Eric Dyer, I mean, Ricky and I have, as you say, we've discussed him on the pod. I've, I've defended Eric Dyer. I, I still think Eric Dyer has a big future at Tottenham. I think what you have to bear in mind over the last 18 months, he's gradually lost form, which will obviously change his confidence. But he's now effectively playing games in midfield with people that can't get around the pitch all the time, and so there's there's a lot more pressure on Eric Dyer, and because he's having to cover for Dembele, he's had to cover for Winks, he's had to cover for Wanyama, and I think that's affected Eric Dyer's form. That often instead of being two in front of that back four, there's actually only one and a half, and he's he's trying to do that his job and half of somebody else's job. And I think if you get a, a, a player alongside him that he he has confidence in and it can just allow him to concentrate on his own game again, I'm I'm sure you'll see the form of Eric Dyer, who let's be fair for three seasons has has been a, a really key member of our side. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think he's a leader. I I, I do think uh, in terms of. Um, Genuine leaders, uh, we don't have that many. Although as, as the as the group grow together, I, you can kind of see how they're all taking their own roles in terms of leadership. I think he is, and then, and then also, like I said, you know, mentioning a bit further down the line in terms of the long term, I could see it being a great option for us potentially. You know, if, dare I say, if we did ever lose Jan or and Toby, you know, having the option to play that three at the back and having kind of one fourth, you know, and you're right to to say it's very early days in his career, but he could be a natural kind of sweeper if you played a three at the back with Dyer and Davison Sanchez as as markers. So that would be an op- uh, an option, and also. I have to say, every time Eric Dyer's played fullback for us, right back, he's been magnificent. And his crossing, every time he gets on the ball in a crossing position, I'm always really confident he's going to deliver a fantastic ball. So, you know, if we're talking about potentially having to upgrade players like Eric Dyer to push on, he is a great player to have in the squad, you know, four times where you need to fill in, you know, someone gets sent off in a game or someone gets taken off injured or whatever. He can play in so many positions. He's so versatile uh, that I think, you know, I'd be very surprised if uh, we don't sign him up to a long-term deal and, and hopefully he'll be at Spurs for a long time. Stuart, I really appreciate the call, mate. Please keep on listening to the Love Sports Spurs uh, fan show with these guys. Yeah, um, happy that call? 
Plenty of good things to say. Yeah, great question. Yeah, uh, great question. Dyer's one on the pod that we have so often and so yeah. regular. It's it's great. It get, gets a lot of, doesn't it? It does. And Jay Smith always makes a great point that if you look at the games played amongst our squad, Dyer, I think you always say, say Jay, that how many games does Dyer play when you look at Kane? People talk about how many games Kane has played over the course of a couple of seasons. He's Dyer's played more minutes there. than yeah. any other player over the four seasons. And, <laughs> and often well. when we rotate, rotate sides for Rochdales and things like that, Eric still Dyer plays. still has to yeah. play. So, and like I say, he's had so many people unfit alongside him. I think that's, that has had a knock-on effect on, on, his, on his ability. And as you mentioned, still just 24 years old. Yep. It feels like he's been around forever. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's two years younger than Paolo Gazzaniga. Oh. And he also, don't forget, he's come up with one of the moments of the season with the, the tackle on Sergio Ramos anyway. <laughs> yeah. so the, you know, the country that criticised him all summer what, fell in love with him straight what away. What tackle was better? I mean, I feel you're obviously biased. Eric Dyer on Sergio Ramos or Jordan Pickford's? I was going to say Eric Dyer's oh. on Cesc Fabregas in that Battle of the Bridge was my favourite tackle. Right, so Eric Dyer had about eight tackles in the <laughs> yeah, Battle of the Bridge. Yeah. So fantastic, yeah. Yeah, no, I think um, if, if there was anyone on the fence about Eric Dyer who wasn't a, a Spurs fan after that tackle on Sergio Ramos, I think half of Liverpool now supports <laughs> yeah. literally just Eric Dyer for that oh, one yeah. moment. It was a superb tackle. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Spurs Fan Show with the guys from The Last Word on Spurs. Guys, at the start of the show, we were talking about how kind of Spurs have maybe gone under the radar a little bit on actually doing significantly better than lots of people giving them credit for. A huge reason for that has been the away form. Obviously, the Crystal Palace, another win there. Um, boys, you've got some stats of just how good you boys have been away. Not this season, but going kind of beyond that as well. Yeah, I think Premier League away wins over the last nine months, just to put this in kind of perspective, Spurs 34 City 29, Chelsea 22, Liverpool 22, Man United 20. And can we just bear in mind, when was Spurs' last home game officially at White Hart Lane? Yeah. We've been playing away from home. You could count all of them as for well, a year can't and, a, and I, I just think sometimes we lose sight of just what a magnificent job Pochettino has done to actually get this side to be able to play away from home virtually every week yeah. and still be where we are in the league, five points off top. I mean, it is just simply remarkable. And I think we don't always, as fans, sit back and actually realise just how far this club has come along. I know fans have a gut saying, oh, you should revert it back to the 90s, but... I've got no choice. I mean, Barnaby looked at me and we had a discussion outside and I said to him... That was an interesting face, in, Barnaby Bulls. In the 90s, right, you, there's no way you could sit and look at the Spurs fictions and be like, right, that's an away banker, yeah. that's an away banker. Well, I remember getting thing. really excited once, Jake, about a 3-1 win away to Blackburn Rovers <laughs> and a Rule Fox stunner. And you think, God, where's all those years yeah. gone? But that's the thing. If you support a Premier League club who are not in the top six and you go to away games regularly... You go to those games not expecting to win. You literally just go because you... You, you want a goal. You want a goal, away goal to celebrate. You, you want... You know, it's, it's all part of the day. Hopefully, you, you know, you get a goal and hopefully, you know, anything is, is a bonus if you manage to get a point. But, you know, away wins are so rare in the Premier League and in teams outside the top six can go the entire season with maybe getting one, two and wins. Yeah. And that is really quite common. But to have got 34 in the last nine months... Is absolutely incredible. Thirty-four points, 34 not points. wins. Point. I was going to say yeah, 34, 34 points. Thirty-four yeah. points. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, um, 
in danger of opening you a must can love of away days. In danger of opening a can of worms here, but the reason I pulled the face that you talked about, <laughs> perfect face for radio, is um, it just staggers me when I read on Twitter or other social network sites about the people who are anti Spurs at the moment, anti Daniel Levy, anti everything. I'm like, I, you know, it doesn't even have to take harking back to the 90s, which I remember so well. I just cannot get round the uh, what the argument is when we are building an incredible stadium. We are trying to get to the point where we can spend the money on wages that will bring us up to the the, the Man Cities, the Liverpools, the Arsenal's, the Chelsea's, um, and we are still making getting these results like we talk about away from home that we were never getting before. We weren't getting them under Harry Redknapp as regularly as we are now. We weren't getting them under Martin Yoll. You know, we certainly weren't getting them under Christian Gross or when Alan Sugar was <laughs> chairman. Francis. You know, so I just don't understand. Like for people to, you know, I just don't know how young these people who complain must be. They must be 12 or 14 <laughs> or something because anyone who is 18 or older must remember just how depressing it could be to be a Spurs fan. And this is the best time it's ever been to be a Spurs fan. So enjoy it. Like, honestly, like when the stadium eventually opens, it may be next season, it's going to be so good. And don't be negative about about, about anything. It's just a fantastic time. And Daniel Levy, just to give him his due, and I know people, you know, he's Marmite, but he didn't just build an identikit stadium. He didn't just do a derby or or an Arsenal. You know, the, their stadium is just why why is why are the fans so far away from the pitch? Because they just built a bowl. He's done it. He's gone all around the world and he's taken the best bits of every stadium he's seen and has been like, this we're going to do this. And also, I think the money in the future is going to be in America. So he's decided to go down the NFL route. I mean, you can't have a go at him for not trying to do the best by our club, in my opinion. Here. Here, I mean, I've always said in the Daniel Levy argument anyway, when, when, when you get this constant Levy out, Levy out amongst people, you know, until there's a genuine alternative, it's not even a perfect, just, do you want Levy out and bring in Golden Sullivan? No, no, right. thank you. But I think you, you there will Levy be an alternative. Bring in Vincent Tan or no, something. No, there'll be a Saudi Arabia That's alternative or something like that. And yeah. I don't think people will want that, to be honest. But until that comes, Levy out is just a hashtag phrase to me. It's it's nonsense. Mm. So when you go away from home, do you set up differently in terms of the way you set up the side? Because it again, it's quite common the way you set up a manager would set up his team away from home is significantly different to how they play at home. Is is that the secret to the way that that Spurs are doing this? They're just going and playing these away games like it was a home one, or, or what? What's the secret? Do you think? I think Pochettino actually throws very few tactical. Uh, mysteries into it. It's pretty much the same every week. Try and dominate the ball, play out from the back. Four-two-three-one. We had the season, where obviously, with the with Walker and Rose, where we played three at the back and the two wing backs. Perhaps injury and form have, have seen us go back to four-two-three-one. But you know, we, we never try and play on the break and and sit deep and hold pressure in. It's pretty much the same thing every single week. So I suppose in a in a critical way of Pochettino, perhaps. When you come to those really big games, perhaps he does show a little bit of inflexibility in his tactical thing. But I think overall, with the squad that we've got, he gets us playing in the way that that suits those players. The the only games I can think of where I feel like we we set up slightly differently and hit teams on the break a little bit more were those Dortmund and Real Madrid games last season in the Champions League. And actually, that's I remember coming away from Wembley at the home games against those two teams and thinking. Oh, you know what? Pochettino has bitten his bitten his pride a little bit there and said, yeah. "Okay, they're going to have more of the ball. Let's hit him on a break," and it worked. But um, in general, that's right. And actually, I've I've said I've almost sometimes been a little bit annoyed 
uh, at games where maybe we've been turned over at the Etihad a little bit too easily or um, or Liverpool have overrun us a little bit and just been like, well, actually, maybe we could just sit back a little bit more and, and, and get closer to them like some of the smaller clubs do. But actually, as a Spurs fan, in terms of why I'm a Spurs fan and what I love about being a Spurs fan, it is about trying to play it the right way and, and attack. And Pochettino absolutely buys into that. So even when I'm a little bit annoyed about it, it's only when we've got beat. And after that, I realise it's the, it, for me it's the right way to play. And I think as well when you when you see us play, we obviously where we get heavily criticised. And if you're in the stadium or you're watching at home, people are shouting at the TV, "Get rid of it! Get rid of it! Kick it long! Kick it yeah. long!" You have to understand as as much as we might want to shout that Pochettino is not going to get Tottenham playing that way. And I've always feared that if Davinson Sanchez suddenly starts hoofing the ball 60 yards he'll soon be out of the team anyway despite the fact that that might be what fans want him to do Pochettino says you play from the back you play through midfield if we're not good enough and we get caught well then we'll have to learn from our mistake what Jason there says is spot on because Pochettino is one of those guys that you have to stick to his plan and that's what we've discussed in the past and we may come on to it later in the show about transfers that he will only bring players in that will adopt to his philosophy he will not get players in, I believe, that are going to challenge his authority, have got an ego. They have to all buy into this dressing room. And you can see the harmony. I mean, even on Saturday, we heard the reports that after the game, there's chance of Omuta Sissoko blaring out the dressing room. <laughs> God, if that can't tell you the harmony in this dressing room, I'm not sure what else can. It's such a great place to be. The fans and the supporters, we are still as one. I think what we have to bear in mind is, at least I get Barnaby's positiveness about the stadium, I understand that. I think... The frustration is that we're not in there. And as we know, that's been down to obviously some poor communication by the club. And I think they'll also hold their hands up. And in the recent statements the club have made, they've tried to make amends, I believe, in trying to go the full way to explain or try and you know engage with supporters and say, look, we are doing our best. They've given more in-depth you know, statements as to why it hasn't been open. But I think that's the only frustration. I think if we was in that new stadium now, I think there'd be such more of a positive element around the club. Yeah. And things might be different. But we're in a great position in the league. We're still up then. Please, God, hopefully we are in that stadium by February, March. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? I'm um, just going to pick up on a point about positivity and the certain chance on Musa Sissoko. Mm. <laughs> How good has, it, has he been really good? <laughs> well, he's, he's back in the in the squad for France. I know. He's, I know he's a French champ. It's, you know, I, I mean, I mean, he's I'm not been really bad. In, in the French squad. <laughs> he's not been really bad. And for that, we are now chanting his name. Isn't it crazy what you have to do these days to get a chant? I thought he had a really, really good game. Oh, he was brilliant against, against Palace. Palace. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a really good game against Wolves, in fairness. Mm. But um, his performance Saturday was was exceptional. So many times carrying the ball. We saw him do a couple of tricks on the byline. You saw a great break late on when, you know, it's like I've always said, when you're 1-0 up, or, or particularly away from home, you're, you're in that latter stage. That ability to take the ball from one end of the pitch down to the other, even if you draw a foul, you win a throw on, you get a corner, it just kills time from the game. And, and his, his passing to Son was absolutely perfect. It's a shame Sonny couldn't have converted that, but he was he was exceptional on Saturday, he really was. He played more central on Saturday, didn't yeah. he? That's so that's what's always interested me, is that he... We bought him the, uh, after the summer where he played central midfield for France. Yeah. He got to the semi-finals of the Euros. So for me, there must be an element of he feels more confident in that position, or he he's just better in that position. I don't now think he's technically good enough to to play out I, wide. I, well, yeah, do you know what? I, I've look, I've never seen a player at Spurs so get the balls trapped under his feet more <laughs> than Musa uh, Sissoko. It's very bizarre. <laughs> but there there must be something about that central midfield position 
Yeah, I know what you mean about technically not being able to play wide because you you know he's so stuck on the. You, there's only one way to go, and mm. if he doesn't feel comfortable coming in from the on onto his left from the right, but yeah, he played. I thought he was excellent at the weekend, and and yeah, my, I mean as of as is um, Pochettino being like the fullback whisperer and and making Aurier <laughs> a better player. If he can turn Sissoko into a confident player wow. again, yeah. then you know he deserves every everything he gets. Pochettino. Well, long may that continue, and long may the the Sissoko chance um, continue around the Spurs fans. We're gonna take a quick break. Um, and then after we speaking about the latest on the stadium, we'll go through some of the, the injuries. It's a long old list and we'll, we'll, we'll work out where we are at with certain players, if any closer to a return. Um, and then we'll kind of look ahead to the second half of the show. From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. It's the Spurs fan show of the guys from Last Word on Spurs talking obviously Spurs and we're going to talk about that stadium and just a little bit of an update guys where are we because I've been I've been seeing the videos around Twitter you know we, we, we I've seen inside and it looks like it's nearly ready and it looks pretty good oh it does look are incredible. we at the point now where we can get excited well I don't think we can actually get actually <laughs> no. excited until once we hear the confirmation of when the test events when you, when are released see inside before when we were seeing pictures like well it was never going to be ready it doesn't look no. anywhere near finished exactly. now it's kind of like that looks like a stadium it that does looks like a good one it does look amazing and I know Barnaby we said about the positiveness and I've got this when I look at pictures of this stadium and videos of it it's very hard to not get excited yeah. and kind of think I mean, okay, I'm excited I'm not a Spurs fan yeah <laughs> I just think as a player and Poch made a great comment um, in his press conference he said that if I was 20 and I was, you know, going to Tottenham looking at that stadium, I mean, it'd be like no-brainer. And you've got to say, looking at it, it's incredible. I mean, obviously we're biased, we're Tottenham fans, yeah. so obviously going to have a bit, <laughs> bit more love to what maybe, you know, outsiders may think. But the latest that we do know in terms of the stadium is that you know, it's been formally announced that the club have now got a contingency plan in place to remain at Wembley for the remainder of the season if necessary. I think Spurs have been urged by the FA more than anything else. So I don't think that should kind of give us any trepidation that we're not going to be in there yet. But I mean, Spurs obviously are planning for worst case scenario. Um, as we know, there's now going to be a cap on that stadium. Yeah. after the Chelsea game where we're going to get 51,000 in there which to be fair is still not a bad attendance so, will that cause a problem because obviously I saw this during the week saying as you say if you, if you were to continue playing at Wembley after that point it'd be 50,000 because you're getting over 50,000 at the moment so will it, will it upset people or not I don't, would you say we think we're getting, I think we'll, what did we get I'm trying to think of our last home game what we got um, 49,000 well, from my experience everyone's desperate to get rid of their Wembley tickets oh, yeah. Yeah. so I, yeah, don't yeah, think, yeah. I don't think it's really okay. going to upset people no and that's I think we've always known that um, Brent Council isn't it there are only so many yeah. uh, games that they can do that for um, I I don't think we're going to be in the new stadium this season really I have to say do you I, not no I don't I, and it does look amazing it looks done inside and to be honest Back when we we were supposed to be moving in, in in September, it also looked pretty close inside then. But it was the outside stuff that looked like it was nowhere near. And for yeah. me, and and for me, it's not a lie that it's the safety features that are the problem. And there've been no test events yet, and no word on test events either. So. I'd be surprised. I really hope I'm wrong, but I would be surprised if we're in this season. I have to say, and 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 part of me, and it's only a small part of me, is like, you know, if we if we can go in early next you know for the first game next season and yeah. have proper pre-season games there and get used to it and all that stuff then it that you know once we got to that point i think we'd all be delighted but yeah i don't know i just don't feel confident about it you've been positive all evening barnaby and then you come yeah. and hit us with that it's one. a, constru- it's a construction thing it's a construction thing rather that's where my lack of positivity is i just think it was a i think it was uh it was a, a a thing that couldn't be done in the time frame they were given yeah and i heard that nine 
construction companies were pitched to, they put the tender out to nine construction companies that we want it done in this period of time. Eight of them said it's impossible and Mace said yes. And Mace are now paying <laughs> right. through the nose in terms of penalties uh, for not getting it done. So, you know, I don't know. Right, OK, look, let's go back to the phone lines. Andrew, Spurs fan, obviously has called in. Andrew, uh, good evening. How are you? Evening, chaps. How are you all doing? Hello, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Uh, Andrew, cheers for calling in. What does he want to say, please, mate? Yeah, I just basically I wanted the uh, the panel's opinion on um, where Kyle Walker-Peters is at, at this moment in time because it obviously looks as if uh, Kieran Trippier has unfortunately picked up an injury and there's still question marks over, over Serge Aurier. So uh, I just wanted to know whether or not everyone in the panel feels that, that Kyle Walker-Peters is ready to be given a go. I've, I've wanted to see Kyle Walker-Peters all season and you know I've said he should play every domestic cup tie, almost irrelevant of of who the opposition is, even even the Arsenal away game. Um, you know, when he's he's played at Newcastle and Leicester last season, he wins a Man of the Match awards. But I have to say that his performance at West Ham the other evening wasn't great. He did get out-muscled a few times, a little bit of naivety in his positioning and things. I think one fourth dug him out of a big hole. So, you know, you, we just have to trust Pochettino. I think with Pochettino, we know that he's a coach that when he believes that player's ready to be thrown in and, and start playing consistently, he'll do it. And I think I think Pochettino would like him to, to, to step up because we know he likes to promote from within. So I think if he's looking at that and thinking, do I have faith in Trippier and Aurier? His ideal scenario would be Walker Peters before he, he does a, a goes and signs someone. So I think the opportunities will be there, but... It you know it's 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 whether he develops quick enough for Pochettino. We just have to trust Pochettino's knowledge on that more than than what we see. Yeah, and also if uh, if the stories coming out of the FA and Brexit are right today, then uh, Kyle Walker Peters may well get lots more opportunities in the next couple of years. But um, I completely agree. Uh, I think. Um, everyone has been talking about getting Kyle Walker Peters in because of the games that we've seen him play, and he's played really well. Um, but. Pochettino sees him every single day and and there must be a reason why Serge Aurier gets a nod ahead of him and it won't be because Serge Aurier came with a transfer fee and and is on more money. Serge Aurier is a good player. He's a bit of a maverick if you ask me and whenever I've seen Serge Aurier play on the right with Moussa Sissoko ahead of him I thought it was the most maverick right-hand side in any football (laughs) team ever in the history of time. But... um, he, I'd say Kyle Walker-Peters just isn't quite ready yet. He needs to, to me, he needs to bulk up a bit. Uh, he needs to be a bit bigger. I think um, Harry Winks is a good example. Harry Winks has definitely put on a bit of weight in the last year or so, and that helps him get out of some tight uh, situations in the Premier League, especially. I think Walker-Peters obviously has a lot of talent, and uh, hopefully that will that potential will shine through. But at the moment, uh, Pochettino will know. He, he, you know, has Pochettino got it wrong with a fullback yet? I don't no, think so. So ideally, uh, with Walker Peters, you send him out on loan second half of the season. If you can get him to Norwich, Ipswich, or the type of club that plays Tottenham-style football, mm. then then get him. You know, twenty games as a fullback. Ideally, as a right back. Don't let him. Don't keep pushing him over to the left. Let him play in that that right. He, he can play left, but he's better as a right back. Let him get twenty, thirty games under his belt in that way first. That's what happened with Carl. Walker, wasn't it? He yeah, went on loan to Villa. Villa. And he just, didn't he go QPR as well? I Maybe think. QPR, yeah, QPR as well. QPR Villa. Villa. Villa was the making of him. That yeah. One, yeah. Yeah. He ended, I think he was Danny in the England Rose squad by the end of that. He? And Danny Rose Danny went to Sunderland. Exactly, Played a year yeah. at Sunderland as well. So, yep. Andrew, for you, would you like to see him given more opportunities then? Well, yeah, I'm just, I mean, it's still fresh in the memory, his mm. performance at Newcastle. When, uh, you know, it was panic stations because it seemed as if we, we didn't have anyone 
capable to fill that spot. But since then, he's obviously won the Under-20 World Cup as well, and he just seems to have a, a really bright future. So I'd just like to see him given an opportunity because, you know, Winks was, had, had the chance to go out alone to Rangers. He turned it down because he wanted to really fight for his spot in the, in the Spurs squad. And at the time, you know, he had season internationals ahead of him and, and probably a few people raised their eyebrows quizzically to say, well, is he capable enough of doing that? But he was given his opportunity. He earned it on merit. And, and since then, he's now become probably one of our most valuable players at, at this moment in time. So I'd just like to see sort of homegrown players given, an, uh, given a chance because I, I just feel that they do give that little bit extra. And they, when they've got that affinity yeah. with the yeah. club, it, for me, it just makes it more special as a supporter as well. Absolutely. Andrew, really appreciate the call this evening. Uh, Andrew, keep listening to the Love Sport uh, Spurs show here. So yeah, Carl Walker-Pete is a, a Tottenham youth product on the fringes of things. Do you think, you know, I, I know he's still young and you talk about the competition that's in front of him, but, you know, potentially you think this is, is a player who could nail down a first team spot? Eventually. I mean, God bless you. Aurea, for me, I think there has been, I think there's been a change in this season. I think he looks fairly more settled. Jason mentioned there, he has cut out the rashness of his game. And I think that's the biggest thing for him. Can he cut that element of his game? And I think he has. And if you see Pochettino's work with fullbacks, you know, we discussed the way he brought on Rose. Davis, Trippier, you know, mm. even Klein and Shaw at the likes of Southampton. This guy always improves his fullbacks. Therefore, I think we have to give him the chance to develop Aurea over the course of a second season because I think he could be a big player this season for Tottenham. Time, time will tell because I think with, with Carl Walker, those that really watch the, the academy sides, you listen to, to Windy and that, yeah. they will say that the likes of Cameron Carter Vickers and Josh Onoma came through with a higher higher kind of regard than than Carl Walker-Peters. Yeah, yeah. And you look at them now, and could any of us see Carter Vickers or Josh Onoma making it at Tottenham now? We'd mm. probably say no. And, you know, even a player like Ryan Mason, we loved Ryan Mason when he came into the side. But come the end of that season, <laughs> he was starting to be the boo-boy target of, oh, we can't do this and he can't do that. Mm. So I think you've just, you know, fingers crossed it does work for Carl Walker-Peters, but the jury's very much out. Super stuff. Right, guys, uh, pretty much at half-time on this evening, Evening's uh, Spurs fan shows, but we can assure you there's loads more to come. We will run through that extensive injury list. We will work out roughly where we are with some of those players. Five five eight a.m. Love Sport. Yes, hello, good evening, welcome back. It is the Spurs fan show here still with the guys from the last word on Spurs. Halftime, still got yourselves another hour. So Spurs fans, we've had, a, we've had a few callers in already this evening, which is absolutely great. Please do keep them coming in. 02087020558 is the number that you need to dial if you want to get your voice heard this evening. Now, um, guys, we'll just get through the, the, the boring stuff, the injuries. Um, there's a few of them. Ricky... T- you you can start. As obviously Kieran Tripp is now withdrawn from That's the England right. squad this week. Yep. How bad's this one? Well, I think there was a report coming out of the mail on Monday that said it's not as bad as first feared. Therefore, I think maybe it's a case of Spurs precautionary, just kind of advising Kieran okay. to you know 
duck out of the England squad. However, to be fair with Tottenham, we have got this scenario with Spurs. Well, say scenario with Spurs. There always seems to be a situation where an injury happens, and then you find out two or three weeks later it's, it's, it's water worse. and meets the eye. But I mean, Dembele also is a key one for the fact that Spurs have you know flown him out to Qatar for world class treatment. Bear in mind, this guy's contract comes to an end at the end of the season. Yeah. Could have gone in January for the last chance for a fee. You just wonder, for Spurs to do that, that seems quite a serious mm. ankle problem for Dembele. And it's quite, maybe it's, I think it's quite sad to say we might have seen his last game in a Spurs shirt, potentially, because he really? look, may look at China and think, you know what, that's my last big chance to really earn a payday. And he may take that opportunity. But to come on to the injury front, as you mentioned there, I mean, with those two players, I think injuries suffered this season, just to kind of put it again in context... Lloris has suffered injuries. Vertonghen, Sanchez, Rose, Wanyama, Sissoko, Dyer, Dembele, Winks, Deli, Eriksen. You know, adding to that trip here. So that only leaves the only players who have not suffered injury at the moment. <laughs> touch wood is Sonny, Kane and Alderweireld. The only players to have survived injuries so far this season. Mm. And you have to, again, question the job Pochettino has done with these players is remarkable. But also you do have to question as well the training programme he's got with them. You do also wonder, you know, does that need to be looked at? Because we're picking up so many injuries, and they seem to all be muscular as well. <clears throat> and elements of them all seem to be muscular. So you have to question maybe there is there personal programs for these guys? And obviously, I don't know the answer to that one. Is, is Darren Anderson still out injured? As well? <laughs> <laughs> He's still in that ambulance. We're still waiting to find out where he is. I think, from my point of view, there's no coincidences there. Every season that Pochettino has been with us before, we've been absolutely rejoicing because we've been getting no injuries and and that's because of the double sessions and what a great fitness based manager he is um this season all of those players or most of those players played in the world cup a lot of them were in the semi-finals they didn't get any pre-season didn't get enough rest so in terms of having a different training routine that to me would only be because of that uh, lack of pre-season and you you know you've got to think that they know more about it than i oh. do so i you know i'd I don't know what the answer to that is. It just is. It, it happens a lot. I remember from previous World Cups and Euros, uh, other clubs up up there, you know, struggling with injury injuries. And I, I think we're just. I think it was coming to us, unfortunately. I think as well. You you can't ask him to change training methods for well, half the. T- I mean, you know, Pochettino will want them training in a way that enables them to play as he wants them to play. No, I get that, but I mean, do you not think just when you look at the amount of injuries we've got? Yeah, you do have to maybe question. You know, and every player is we, different as well. Well, the thing is, we know with Pochettino, we know he loves the double sessions. We know he's, he, you know, he does work these players to the mm. ground. And you do wonder, with some of them, has he worked them too much? But, Other but than doubles, the... double sessions are quite common amongst most clubs these days. You know, they, they don't just turn up at our nine and, and <laughs> run just around a bit do a of Harry. quick fifteen minute, and then they're back home by by eleven o'clock. That was how it used. That was how it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think most managers now. You know, their their food is controlled. They have to get there for breakfast. They do that first session. And the the double session, I think, more is made of this this phrase, double session. I don't think he sends them home absolutely knackered you know every single night. The only other thing, that, other than the World Cup and, and how deep a lot of those players went into it, that is different. And, and there's you could be cynical if you wanted to be. I'm not. But, you know, the only thing that's different is we've now got this lodge, the lodge at the, the training spot, ground, yeah. where the players go to sleep in exactly. between the double sessions. So, you know, if you wanted to be cynical about it, you say, oh, well, maybe they're just getting a little bit too much sleep uh, and they're uh, <laughs> eating a little bit too well at this lodge, this world-class facility that we've built. Um, I, look, I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just um, unfortunate. And again, you know, just to say again, how brilliantly are we doing considering mm-hmm. all those names you read out? Yeah. That's that was ridiculous, you know. I mean, I think any other club would 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 struggle at the very least, uh, mm. let alone be in third or fourth place. And I think also it's important that you know Pochettino is not 
I've not noticed him particularly moaning about no, it. Doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. Though. Do you know what Jake, I mean? That, that's quite that's, that's quite surprising though, mm. because when you when you list it, you'd think that the manager would be pretty annoyed, not blaming the players, but just annoyed that this is what he's having to contend with week in week out. That's it, why is Daniel Levy's dream manager. Mm. He's the absolute opposite of Harry. What well, Harry? Can you imagine used what Mourinho would be like by the oh way now. Right. You wouldn't hear the end of it. His press conference would be extended. I, was gonna, I don't think Pochettino would ever come out and say we lost the game because we we had to start <laughs> with Marouane Fellaini <laughs> rather than bringing him off the bench. <laughs> well, he certainly. Do you know what made me laugh about the weekend was Mourinho saying. Uh, Mourinho saying, oh, Man City had two friendlies. They had two friendlies yeah. to warm up Shak- for this game. Shakhtar and Southampton. That's exactly <laughs> the opposite of Maurizio Pochettino. He gives everyone respect. He, he doesn't complain. He doesn't whinge about it. And that's, yeah, he's Levy's dream manager. He really is. Yeah, and we've just uh, had a goal in the development uh, game for Spurs this evening in the checker trade. Um, 1-0, I'll find out who's scored. We're going to take actually a quick break and I promise you what we will do is we will do this little half-term report yeah, and you can, you, can, you can grade your season so far. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. So, half-term report. We're not quite a half-term, but 12 games in, it's a nice round, solid number. Um, I think it's been a decent start. I say it could maybe been a little bit better in terms of the, the, the football you've produced mm. um, so I'll give you a B plus how impressed or how unimpressed or how do you grade what you've done so far I don't have to agree with you Jake yeah, I think B plus is about right we've seen players coming this season that have really stepped up the likes of Eric Lamella for me who's been the standout I'd say at the moment of this season as a player but Lucas Moore is of, of all Spurs players of I think from the start of the season yeah. Lamella's r- risen and he's shown himself to be a match winner in you know aspects where you don't expect you know Lamella to have stepped up in the past, and I think we're now seeing it on, on a consistent basis. And I think for me, he's got the potential this season to be our player of the season. I really do believe that. But Lucas Mora has also made a great start. It just shows you yeah. sometimes when you bring a player in in January and they get the opportunity throughout the summer to have a full preseason, bed in, understand the philosophy, yep. understand the way that Maurizio Pochettino wants him to play, and now you see the progress. And Mora's scoring goals regularly for Tottenham as well. Lamella's playing well. Kane is Harry Kane. Kane will always get goals for Tottenham. Yep. And I think, obviously, at the moment, yeah, B-plus is about right. And you, look where we are in the league. Patterson, look how we're coping. Patterson scored the goal, sorry, by the way, um, for your development side uh, away at Portsmouth today in the checker trade. Uh, Barnaby, wh- where, where do you rate it? Would you agree or disagree with most of what Ricky said? Yeah, I think... You know, the best way to look at it is to look at the results that we've lost. Um, realistically, we got outplayed by Liverpool, and then we probably should have got a penalty at the end to somehow sneak a draw there. I felt like Man City, when we lost at home to them, they had another gear to get to if they wanted to, but we should have got a draw against them as well. Yeah. Eric Lamella's chance bobbling off his uh, off his shin from the Wembley turf in the last few <laughs> minutes. And the Watford one is the only disappointing one, and we were talking about that before the before the uh, the show started today. And and. Teams go to Watford and will get bullied out of results. Troy Deeney just had one of those games that day where he really was up for it, really fancied it, and we got bullied at set pieces. Um, That's happened a few too many times this season. We've conceded goals from set pieces. But in terms of with the injuries, as we've discussed, in terms of with the lack of preseason, as we've discussed, all of the um, difficulty regarding not having a stadium to go in and, and how easy it would be for us to down tools as a result of that or... The injuries or any of those things, I think we are doing brilliantly. I'd even hazard to say that to be just a few points off the top, uh, in comfortably in a Champions League position, uh, seven points ahead of Manchester United. I think we are at the moment Above ahead of them lot from Woolwich, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and on the coattails of Chelsea, uh, I'd go A minus. 
I'd even go up to A minus, boys. That's the positivity I was but, asking for. But also, just to bear in mind that uh, in my uh, grading system, there is a, an A plus as well. So A plus A, I'm going down to A minus. So the third top grade I'm offering. I think I said I, yeah, I ten, didn't I? I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, do it the number wise. You did do number wise. I think you know Premier League wise, considering so many difficulties we've had, we we've been we're in a better place than I feared that we would be. But obviously, that you're right, Barnaby. The two really big games, Liverpool and City at home, we've lost. And of course, over the next few weeks with with Chelsea, with Arsenal to play, you know, we'll genuinely see where we are from two difficult games. The, the downside of the season has definitely been a Champions League game where you look at that and you think Tottenham should be qualifying from that group. And, and it's not just the results in that, it's the manner of them to mm. just be in such a strong position twice and to throw it away twice. So I think that that's... That's kind of the downside, but but you know we've also gone to West Ham and won twice in ten days, which yeah. which is obviously two, two cup finals we've won already this season. So you know there's 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 plenty of good signs as well. Only disappointing thing for me just been the Champions League yeah. and the way you look at this group and how in the opening fixtures it's a tough group. Though. It is a tough group, but the, do you know what the problem is? You look at last season the way that we, I would say, manhandled that group, the way we played so well. It just you know kind of gave us such buoyant and expectations for this season, and we thought we're going to do it again, mm. and that's been the only disappointment. And we left ourselves with a real big job to do, but that is Tottenham. And to be fair, I think to get through this group would be, I think, one of Pochettino's best achievements at Tottenham to be able to get through this. Just quickly, just very quickly though, what I say is you see that uh, Betis did Barcelona at the New Camp the other day. Yes, Four, I think we're going to turn Barnaby. Inter over, and then I'll tell you what to go into that game actually <laughs> thinking that it could be one of Spurs' big results. That'd be very exciting. Be incredible. If you brought this positivity that. Barnaby did each week. I know. <laughs> it's incredible. This is what, this is what happens, isn't it? <laughs> right, back to the phone lines. Uh, Shuben has given us a call. Shuben, what is it you want to say this evening, mate? Oh, first of all, I want to say hi to Barney and say thank. I really enjoyed Spurred on TV. Thanks, while mate. it was on, and I miss it. Thank you. Shut up. Bring it thank back. Thank you very much, mate. Can we bring it back? Yeah, just someone someone fund it, and I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing is, basically, I'm trying to reconcile, because I'm really happy that we've got Paolo Gazzaniga and um, one fourth on the Argentine side. Musa got called back up to France. But at the same time, I'm really worried about Eric Dyer. It's just, is it, can we like pick and choose who we want to pick to get picked to the international side and who doesn't? Because Eric Dyer has just got back from an injury. Now he's off to play for England, some pointless friendly. Hmm. And Harry Kane, he hasn't had a rest for God knows how long, maybe what, a week Never. or two. However, and um, Christian Eriksen's had the, had the injury and now he's back. And, you know, it's just, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm happy that, for example, like I said, some of my players are going to get chances in international squads. But at the same time, I want to wrap our like our um, undroppables in cotton wool during this two-week period. Sure, I've got to start. I've got to just say, just I know Jason's going to come in just for one second, just on my point. Is I think this is where Pochettino has to be a bit more stubborn. If you remember Fergie in the past, Jace, you know there would be a case that he would pull players out of squads. He wouldn't let players go. He'd probably chain them to the dressing room. <laughs> it comes to the point where Pochettino has to be more stubborn with his international managers to say, look, I appreciate you want to take these players away, but when it's for friendlies or when it's for games of, I don't know how do I word this, less significance <laughs> yeah, maybe. Not, not great importance. Not great importance. There should be a case where he has to protect these players. And this is where, for me, it's a case of Pochettino now being strong as a manager. He's been at Spurs for a number of seasons. I know he wants to try and keep the relationship with all the international managers, which he has done so far to date. I don't know when he's fallen about with apart from I think a Danish manager with the whole Ericsson debacle about his injury. <laughs> apart from that, he's been more than respectful. So I do think it's a point now where Pochettino has to put his foot down. And if he doesn't want a player to go, they shouldn't go. I mean, Chase, what do you think? 
Well, I think I think you have to look at it case by case. I mean, in, in Eric Dyer's situation that you bring up, as a player that now has how many games has he set out now? Four or five for mm. us, is it? Eric Dyer's been missing. Chelsea is our next Premier League game. And in an ideal world, Eric Dyer now has a perfect chance to go away from England and get 60, 70 minutes under his belt before that Chelsea game. And, and I don't want to see Eric Dyer go into that Chelsea game having had no football for six or seven weeks. So, so mm. for me, the, the international break and the, and the chance for Eric Dyer to get game time is, is absolutely perfect for him. Kane's always the worry, but don't forget, we'll, we'll, we'll play those, those two games Wayne Rooney is is going to be playing in about eight different positions, I think, in the in the American game, and you know, hopefully, he gets kicked up in the air and and things like that. And and Harry Kane, I think, will just be trotting along with the, the whole team, saying, "Give the balls to Wayne." So I, sh- I shouldn't be worried too much about that one. Yeah, I. It's a good, really good question, actually, mate. I have to say, um, there are two games, though, aren't there? There's the, and the Croatia game is a, a competitive match it's now. A the bit Nations more League, that one, it is, um, because especially with the result England got no away in Spain. Either. Yeah, getting the result away in Spain means we could put pressure on them to potentially try and get through. And then if we got to the, I think if England did get to the last four of the Nations League, everyone would suddenly take notice of the Nations League and think this is a great, what a great tournament. Yeah. Oh, I've always said what a great <laughs> tournament the Nations League is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, Ricky, as well, Alex Ferguson. I think Alex Ferguson used to just say to them, you shouldn't even bother playing for your country. <laughs> you're not going. Um, and that might have had something to do with the fact that when he managed Scotland for a tournament, they lost all their games, I think. So uh, in 1986. But it's difficult. Yeah, I think case-by-case basis is absolutely right. I don't think you can stop a Harry Kane from playing for England. I I just don't think... I don't think Pochettino could say to him, don't play this game. I don't think he'd listen. He's so patriotic. He's the captain of England. He won the Golden Boot in the World Cup. He just wants to score goal after goal. Uh, I get what you're saying about Eric Dyer, but um, yeah, I think giving him a couple, uh, some minutes that he won't, you know, he won't get those minutes training at Spurs. So, uh, you know, that could work in his favour. But yeah, it's it is difficult. I know what you mean about wrapping them in cotton wool. I feel like that sometimes too. Shuban, would you like to see Harry Kane pull out of a couple of squads just to give him a bit of rest? You know, um, almost failing of an injury, love- just say you know a sore thigh, but then he'll be fit again for the next Spurs game. It just means he hasn't travelled. Well, I remember asking Jason this question like a, about three or four months ago. And I think he, he, he quite eloquently put it up, as he always does, is that we, we have two international captains and we are so proud that we are international captains. It's just the fact that, I mean, he's, I, don't, I can't even remember, apart from maybe last summer when they went to America, as in 2017, I don't think he's ever really had a real proper break. He's always, and, and you know, and I think cause he's, you know, if, he gets, if he gets injured and then, you know, I mean, Lorenzo, you know, he, you know, he, Make some decent cameos, but I don't think he's really you know, able to take the burden. So, but like I said, it's just case by case. You have to. Said, we, how, how happy was it to see Musa back in the squad? You know, one five probably will make his Argentinian debut in a few days, and same for maybe Casaniga might can get a few minutes. And that, that's so that's... yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? When when Gazaniga, Lamella, and uh, Foyth get called up for Argentina, we're all we're all really proud to see it. Oh, it's fantastic to see them get a, a rightful call up. So if, if you're you're proud of them getting a call up, you can then hardly moan that they're being called up. You, you can't have it both ways. And we we all take I'm trying. Great, I'm trying, Jay. You're right. We take great pride in having Kane as captain of England as Spurs fans. We banged on and on and on about Kane must play. When, when it was a question of is Jordan Henderson or Harry Kane going to be captain? No, no, no. We, we, we're all absolutely fighting Harry Kane's corner. He's captain of England. You can't just turn up as and when you please. Mm. Uh, Shivan, really appreciate the call this evening. To please make sure uh, you continue to listen to the show. And, and an interesting point, actually, 
I'm not sure if you saw this a few weeks ago, a bit of a bit of an argument between Michael O'Neill, the Northern Ireland manager, and the Oxford City boss, Carl Robinson. They had a, a young player called up into the Northern Ireland squad. Robinson wasn't happy about it. And basically, Michael O'Neill was fuming and basically said, look, you know, if you develop this player and he plays in league football and then you potentially sell him, you'll be selling him as an international, as an international footballer. Yep. Mm. So you can't pick and choose as and when you decide that he's he's basically an asset to, to, to whoever. So it is an interesting debate. I do think, Jason, you make a great point. You take it, you know, on a individual basis. Musa Sissoko, for instance, we're delighted to see him get back in the squad. But someone like Harry Kane for these not most important games wouldn't be a too bad idea, would it, to, to give him give him a couple of weeks off. Right, we'll continue in just a couple of moments this this season review. Guys, this have a little think, you've got a couple of minutes to think. We want player of the year if the season was to stop now. Ooh. Young player of the year and most improved. Love sport. Five five eight AM. It's the Spurs fan show with the guys from the last word on Spurs. We're doing a, a bit of a mid-term review. Player of the season awards. If it was to happen right now, uh, I want to hear chaps. We'll go around the panel with a player of the year, a most improved and a young player. I'll start, Ricky, with you. Okay. What have you got? I know I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, you have. That's fine. I've gone with, I've gone with Lamella as the most improved okay. and the player of the season so far. And Winks, if I can still call him young... I've gone for Winks. He is the young player of the year. I think Winks has been incredible when he's come in recently. I think the question over Harry Winks has always been, how good can this guy be if he can stay fit yeah. and if he can you know, have consistent performances? And we've seen over the recent few weeks, having Winks in that midfield, I think he is, again, a potential long-term solution to Tottenham's midfield. I still think we need to go out and address the central midfield area, but I think Winks has got all the potential in the world mm. to be in that Spurs midfield for years to come. And on Eric Lamella, I've spoken about him already tonight, but... Just seeing this guy now becoming a match winner. Jace used to say in the past, has he got the ability to be the goal scorer that wins the games? There's always been the argument that he's always scored the fourth goal in yeah, a yeah. 5-0 win or the third goal in a, in a 4-0 win. But what he's now showing Lamella is the ability to turn up in the big, turn games, up in the big games, win points. Barcelona... He's got that little bit of devilish in him. Obviously, we saw the other week against Barcelona, the little, or the the oh, sorry, the elbow against sorry, the game against uh, PSV. That little bit of devilish in him. I love that in Lamella's game. And I think Pochettino does too. And I think giving him the contract like we did in the summer was probably the best thing we ever done because what we did there, it just kind of reaffirmed the loyalty to him that we still view him as a. Yeah. An important player of the squad. Believed in him. Believed in him. He's reacted to that. He had a really, really bad hip injury, which he's now got over. And I think as, as fans, we really appreciate probably what he's gone through at Tottenham. You know, the way he's come back, he's learnt the language. I think he's been superb, and that's my free. So there we are. Lamella scooping himself a couple of awards, and Harry Winks taking the young player. Jason, from you, please. It's, it's really hard because we're not even at halfway stage. I know. We're at 12 <laughs> league games in. So, no, but it's, it's, inter- it's interesting to gauge, though, you know, when we get to the end of the mm, season, how much this would differ. And, and I mean, the other part of that is as well, I'm trying to think of a player that's played more than six or seven games as well. So <laughs> you are going from a small sample. So yeah. I think it makes it easier for you then. I think player or most improved player or whatever you want to call it would be a toss between Lucas Moura, who's made a massive impression this year. But, but for certainly Eric Lamella, when we've had Ali Eriksson and Sonny away from things, he's, he stood up at vital moments and delivered big time. But I mean, you know, in terms of, when you talk about most improved, I just said Fernando Lorente one goal for one start, so that's <laughs> and, and an assist oh, off the bench. We've not so about Sissoko. no, so Fernando Lorente, having been seen as a lamppost last <laughs> no. year, is suddenly seen as a credible player. So, so we can give Lorente most <laughs> efficient, give Lorente a tick, <laughs> most, yeah. most efficient. It's, it's a new one. 
But but you know, let's just be fair. I mean, Harry Kane as well. Goals yeah. in August. He's up to what seven or eight this season, mm-hmm. and it's got ten people, and fifteen people don't, overall. Ten and fifteen, and people don't even talk about Harry Kane's no. goal scoring this yeah. year. So even him, you know, dug us out of a hole last week. So young player. Young player. Can I say Fernando Lorente then? Cause, no. Because, you know, he's younger, he's younger <laughs> than 50. That's no. all right. He's a young player. We set the rule is if they're eligible to win the, the Premier League Young Player of the Season. Okay. Does that include Davinson Sanchez? It oh, does, yeah. Well, then I'll go Davinson Sanchez because, you know, up until the last two games. How old is he? 22? He's 21, I think. 21 yeah, or 22. Yeah, 21 22. He, so, uh, he can win it. You know, just for consistency, I say Davinson Sanchez in that case. Super. Right, Barnaby. Yeah, so uh, for player of the year, I've gone Eric Lamella as well. I, just to add to what Ricky was saying, um, uh, the hip injuries, it's actually both hips, I think, I had, had to have operations yeah. out for over a year. Uh, also, his dog died. I know this sounds ridiculous, but um, he used to Instagram about his dog all the time. He had a bulldog. He loved that dog. His dog died. And also, his brother got seriously ill. And this all stuff that happened over the course of a year. And I think that was around the time that it was rumoured that maybe he'd go back to Roma and stuff. And I have to say, before that period of time, he also had a child in that period of time as well, I should say. But before that period of time, and back in the time when I was doing Spurred On, I used to get so frustrated with Eric Lamella. He's one of those players who has all the skills but would mm. always choose to roll his foot over the ball unnecessarily or try a paradise ball. And for me, it was always like he was trying to justify the fee we paid for him. All that stuff happened to him over the past year, year and a half. And to me, he just looks like a more mature man now and it and it shows he's got a fantastic final ball his and it's his decision making now that really has changed uh, and he's doing the right things at the right time and making the right runs and don't forget this is a guy who scored 15 goals in Serie A for Roma at the age of 22 23 and that's why we paid the big money and I think um to add to the amazing non-Spurs element of him, which is that he just loves to fight people. And uh, if there's a bet you can put on as to who's definitely going to get yellow carded in any game, it will always be Eric Lamella. Uh, so yeah, I've got him as player of the year just just for his, imp- not just his improvement, but his decision-making and, and, and what a key player has come for us. Young player of the year, I've gone for Davison Sanchez. Actually disappointed that you remembered him just at the last minute there because I thought that was a shoe-in for me looking like I'd made a great decision there. Um, he's so young uh, and so talented uh, and uh, just a, an amazing signing. So glad whoever, whichever scout dug him out. Brilliant, brilliant signing. Think he's a, an amazing player and so powerful. And most improved, I've gone for Musa Sissoko, just on the basis that, like I said at the beginning of the show, he's no longer playing terribly each time he plays. He's now playing well. Uh, not excellently, but well. Um, <laughs> and if he starts finishing the chances that he started getting for himself, uh, which Champions League game was it where we all just laughed when he absolutely whacked into Rose Ed when he had a chance? Barcelona, yeah. One, yeah. Um, if he started scoring some some goals and finishing some chances, then I think he he could become the next proper cult figure Spurs player because he's you know having gone from zero to potential hero. Uh, good luck to him. So yeah, I've gone most improved for Musa Sissoko. Brilliant stuff. So he's got himself a chant and picked himself up a trophy from Barnaby this evening. <laughs> not bad, More is importantly, it? And, yeah. and an international call-up. Let's not forget that. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice. Love it, producer Dom. Just getting that lull in the evening, and he just brings a bit of a disco Saturday tune. Not disco. That's what it's all about, right? <laughs> I want to talk about Christian Eriksen. Uh, his contract is up at the end of next season, so 2020. And Ricky, there's been 
a bit of murmurings, a few words about his situation, hasn't there, in the last couple of days? Yeah, well, you've always find when these players go into international duty, they kind of sometimes leave themselves a bit more relaxed when they're talking to journalists. Doing it's usually in their native tongue. In, that's another thing you have to bear yeah. in mind, that these comments are being translated back into English yeah. as far as we're aware. So there might be a case where there is some misinterpretation. But Ericsson has basically come out here, obviously recording on a Tuesday evening, and he said he's unsure if contract talks with Tottenham will be reopened with discussions to this point, having delivered no extension. He said, personally, there have been talks with Tottenham many times. I can't say if they are over. You must ask them. So it's almost a case that he's kind of putting the ball back in Spurs' court. And I know we're going to discuss Ericsson in more detail now, but... For me, I mean, he is so pivotal to this Tottenham side. I know Barnaby's looking at me nodding. I think, Barnaby, you're concerned that he's the, he's the figurehead, isn't he, to this team? I, uh, figurehead's not quite right. I think Harry Kane's definitely the figurehead. But I think he is the hardest player that we would have to replace. I think in terms of if when we if and when we lose Christian Eriksen, the amount of money we'd have to spend to find a comparable player who can open the door, uh, take the ball, you know, similar to Luka Modric, in a, but in a, a different style of player, but take the ball in any position, turn... And find that that final ball. I think Ericsson for us is almost underrated. I think as, for, by Spurs fans in terms of how vital he is to us. Um, in terms of the you know the the translation of the quotes about his contract, I think the translation just comes from the words need more money. Uh, yeah. I think just basically the, the the agent is very much saying you know what are you willing to go up to, and for me Harry Kane signed that two hundred thousand pound a week contract. We broke the wage uh, cap for him. I think I think Christian Eriksen needs to be on that too. And if he turns down two hundred thousand, then he's not going to get any more from us. And in reality, and I said this before the show as well, I think he's Christian has always had a game plan, even back from when he was a teenager. Uh, he turned down Chelsea as a teenager. He stayed at Ajax longer. He turned down bigger clubs. He came to Spurs because he saw that as the place where he would play every single game. Mm-hmm. He's done that. He's proved himself. And if his game plan isn't to move at the end of next season or at the end of this season for big money, then maybe he'll sign a, a, another contract and move in two or three years' time. What is he now, 26, I think? Yeah, that's about right, yeah. Uh, he will at some point play for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Maybe by then we, top, will be, we will be that <laughs> by then. But if not, he will play for a Real Madrid, a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich. I really believe that. Um, and, and if he does go, and I desperately don't want him to, then I would say you have given us tremendous service mm. and been a magnificent Tottenham player. And he'll go down as one of the greats, I think. Yeah, I get the impression with, with Ericsson that it is the, the next club scenario for him that he thinks, you know, if I'm not going to win a Premier League or a Champions League at Tottenham, and, and perhaps like Carl Walker's done, he does see the next step and, and want to want to be at that level of club that, that is competing for the very highest. So if Tottenham can't offer him, you know, 180, 200 grand a week, then I think... I can understand why he would turn that down and seize the the next stage. I mean, you're you're right. He's been there what five, six years now. Yeah, twenty thirteen. So, uh, you could you twenty thirteen. Yeah. One and of he's, the eight he's won player of the year a couple of times or whatever, mm-hmm. hasn't he? In that time, so I don't think anyone would could could really hold it against him if he decides that he's reached that stage of his career where where he wants to take that next step. And he's probably looking at Tottenham, thinking, "Will I do it here?" So I I think there's a bigger part of that in Ericsson's mind than it just being about. The money, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure if Daniel Levy said to him, "We'll give you 200 grand a week," and Barcelona said to him, "We'll give you 170 grand a week," <laughs> then then he'll gladly forego the 30 grand a week to take that next yeah. step upwards. My biggest concern is, and we talk about the importance of Ericsson. I think if you get if you lose another player of his stature to add to like to Walker, and you just wonder with his squad, you know, does that create an almost fear that 
we're going to start losing the core of this group. And Ericsson is very much the core of it. He's mm. such an integral part of this squad. He's missed so few games in the last couple of seasons to the point where without him on the pitch, there's almost seems that like our creativity is just non-existent. He's so crucial to this team. And it gets to the point where we discussed before about these players, this group of players, that after five or six years with this manager, do they get to the point and also consider themselves, well, am I going to win anything here? As much as I love this manager, I adore Pochettino, I love the way we play football, is this man going to be able to get me to where I want to be in terms of winning the trophies? And that's my biggest concern. If Ericsson does go, that would be obviously where I'd be fearing. Yeah, so the situation really is, as you say, pretty much boils down to money. Obviously, it does depend on the clubs that, that if they were to come in, what clubs they are. But you've obviously given big contracts out of late mm. to some big players That's right. and, and rightly and deservedly mm. so. So it's natural, isn't it, that of he's now going to be sat here saying, you know, I want parity yep. with, with those boys. But before, you know, Spurs' wage bill was quite small, but now you've kind of had to break it to keep the, these players. Is, is that of any concern? They've had to start spending and giving these well, players the big money. You have to, don't you? Because at the end of the day, if Spurs aren't going to pay it, there's other clubs queuing up that will. Mm. So in order to keep your best players, you have to go above and beyond. And we've done that. And the fact of the matter is, like you said there, once you start giving out the new contracts to Kane and to Pochettino, other players will rightly come calling. And that's why yeah. Proddy Eriksson is holding out now. He's not going to accept 150 grand a week. Mm. He's seen the likes of Delhi now sign a new deal. And he'll probably want parity with Delhi. And you'd have to say... What's, what's Delhi on? About well, 100, if, I think. I think Delhi's on 100. I think, Ericsson, 100? I think Ericsson will want parity with Kane. I really do. I really do. Yeah. I know, and, and that'll be hard for him to get because Daniel Levy... I don't and think Poch, that's realistic. No, I don't. But I think it'll be hard for him to get... But because Daniel Levy will say, well, Harry Kane scores the goals. But Ericsson can rightly say, Creates well, them, didn't he? I create the him. goals. I create the goals. And, and you know, you said about 170 at Barcelona. I think he could get 300 at Barcelona. He could go to Man United or Man City. I hope we would never sell him to them. Mm. But he could get 300, 300. Alexis Sanchez on 350 yeah. grand feel, a week. I feel that Ericsson is that talented. I genuinely oh, yeah, do. Yeah. But... I think you're kind of fortunate in the sense that he kind of goes under the radar a little bit. Yep. You look at the, right. the, the big name players that Spurs have. I think Deli Alley is, is appreciated and recognised more mm. by other fans of the Premier League than Christian Eriksen is. Though, in my opinion, Christian Eriksen's a better footballer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think you're kind of fortunate that yeah. when it comes to bargaining and clubs coming in for someone like Eriksen and risk of losing him, that... He, I think he can't demand the same amount. I think it comes down to goals, actually. Uh, I think it Deli Alley scored 10 goals from you know attacking midfield. Mm. Ericsson's never really scored as many as Alley. Oh, he scored 20, actually, one season, Alley, sorry. Mm. Uh, and then 10 the season last season when he was deemed to not have had a good season. <laughs> I keep saying about Ericsson every summer, I, exp I think he's going to have a season where he's suddenly going to start scoring loads of goals. More free kicks, more goals. It hasn't quite happened yet, but if he did, I, I take your point exactly. I think he is almost underrated. Um, but like I said before, for me, he is our most uh, difficult to replace player. He's vital to us. I mean, I'm amazed when Coutinho left for Liverpool. That transfer wasn't for Ericsson. I mean, I was I was stunned that I don't if, think there's much if difference. Barcelona had their pick. I know, so, I mean, again, maybe Tottenham being biased here, but you look at the amount of goals that Ericsson created. I think all the assist, all the stats were laid out there. The amount of goals he cre uh, creates, mm. goals scored. Ericsson was top in the charts. Therefore, I was amazed. Maybe because the whole the bar is a Brazilian. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. But I mean. I'm amazed that Ericsson wasn't looked at then. I please God hope he yeah, won't be looked at now. There was <laughs> also a workhorse, Ericsson. He's mm. the, the high in the, the top five press. for sprints mm. in the whole Premier League and the amount of work that he gets through. He's he's heavily underrated and a great player. I, I think offer him the two hundred thousand a week. Say you can be the joint top earner and if he says no, then you know that's part of his plan. You just say, Fair enough, we got five, six great seasons out of you. 
And as far as, as, as know, those creative play. players go, I, I saw some stats, Ricky, a little while ago mm. as well of of that crop of these players. And there is only a, a finite few people of that level. And they've got Eden Hazard, Riyad Mahrez, Phil Coutinho and Christian Eriksen were the only four over, I think, a three-year period who managed to hit double figures in terms of goals and assists. So that puts you straight away on a pedestal of, of guaranteed, you know, creative flair players. And as you mentioned, the Coutinho deal of what it was, Riyad Mahrez went for £60-plus million. Pounds. Again, probably on 200k at, at Manchester City, you would imagine he is going to want that. But I, I, I personally don't think he'll get that at Spurs. I really don't. Well, well, one thing about Ericsson would be if, if you're a genuine, if you were Barcelona or Real Madrid, you might be, and it's not necessarily me criticising Christian Ericsson before people have a go, but they might look at it and think, does he play enough really top level performances? We all we're all convinced he is, but they might look at it and think, do you know what, there's still 12, 15 games a season when he does I mean, he's, yeah. he's incredibly slow to start Does he season, do it in the big he? games, though? Because uh, that, that's well, the important I mean, he, thing, he, isn't it? He had an excellent game against Madrid at, at home last year. Mm. He created goals in the semi-finals the last couple of years that we've played. So, And he's, he's got the famous winner at Manchester City, didn't he? Yeah, he us. did, yeah, in the so Leicester season. Yeah. He's, he's certainly done it in, in big games, but like I say, perhaps with Christian Eriksen, he does it in 25 games a season, and perhaps Barcelona or Real Madrid would say, you've got to do it in 35 games a season. Yeah, I'd say the other thing is that for, for Barcelona and Real Madrid, if they're looking to pick holes in it, he, he's not he's almost too much of a team player. Do you know what I mean? Like When they bought Gareth Bale, Gareth Bale was literally... T- on his own for us taking us yeah. you know doing the one you know doing the one man team scoring the winners every single game for us in the last yeah. minute of the game Ericsson is a team player all that hard work he puts in he's more like a Modric kind of signing for, for them if they wanted to go down that route um, but no like you know like I said I, I think you know people who watch Spurs really regularly will definitely see the difference between when Ericsson is playing and when he's not and he is our, our top top player for me top class Stuff. So that's Christian Eriksen hoping and wanting to sit down and get himself a new contract. And I think we all agree. This is Love Sport. It is Love Sport. It's the Spurs fan show. Kind of any other business time, really. Only 15 minutes left before we leave you for another week. Um, Ricky, uh, Jason, your next three games, once we've had this lovely international break where we all get to miss football, basically. Chelsea, Inter. And then your first away game back, because we, we've spoken about your brilliant away form earlier on this evening, <laughs> down at the Emirates. Well, can I just say, we talk about international breaks, dreaded international breaks. Can I be honest, as much as I love Spurs, I look yeah. forward to every single game, this international break has come at a really, really Why? good time. Because of the injuries. Okay. The injuries, I mean, that's what I mean. I, not, I think, not personally, just, no, not know, personal, just, but I think, just need a bit of a break from... Yeah, <laughs> I just think when you take stock, and it's always great, I think, also, to go into the international break on a win... It's the best feeling ever. It, it really will be. And obviously the fact Arsenal are going into it on the back of a really poor performance against Wolves where they were lucky to get a point. So, so lucky. They yeah. played so, so well. Yeah, they were really lucky. Yeah. Wolves played well, yeah. but, but Arsenal were massively... Mm. Just, I don't know, they didn't turn up. They didn't turn up. They didn't. No. I mean, the thing with Arsenal fans, they keep telling us, is that they're on this unbeaten run. Mm. And it's all very well you keep saying we're on this unbeaten run. But who have you beaten on this unbeaten run to really be credible? And they haven't yeah. yet. And I'll be honest with you, they've played very well against Liverpool. I acknowledge that. But what Spurs need to go into that game thinking is that if we can start fast, this game could be out of sight in the first half. I know it sounds crazy, but Arsenal have not been starting games fast. Therefore, no. if Tottenham can start early, put that, you know, 
put that high press on them, I don't think they can cope with us. And I still think there's some way off us just yet. And how have Spurs been starting games? Because again, we can all look well, at we can all look at the results. <laughs> yeah, that's our problem as well. Though. Is it? So you're not uh, yeah. particularly good starters. Well, we've conceded in the first minute in, in most big games, yeah. or certainly in the most in the mm-hmm. opening five minutes. So, you know, I, I, the Arsenal. I mean, we, you're right. We got Chelsea and Inter to get through before we even of course, think yeah, about yeah. the Emirates. But you know. They are always up for that game at the Emirates. The last couple of years, we've gone there as favourites with all the, the pressure, everything mm. going on us, yeah. and people saying, "Now yeah, it's Tottenham's time." And last year, we thought we'd go there and start really well, and they absolutely battered us last mm. year for ninety minutes. So yeah. I'm certainly not going to sit here and go, no, 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 go no. silly and, and think, "Oh, we'll go to the Emirates and, and get." And it's let's be fair, we've won there what once at the Emirates. It's time to go there for the neutral. Yeah, they are, but but we can't be two 0 up and lose five two and things like that there again. So we've still only. That one win at the Emirates. We've played quite well there under Pochettino, but we haven't converted those into wins. But you know, hopefully, we've learnt from from that horrendous away record at Chelsea, where where we didn't go and win there for what twenty eight years. That's it, yep. We went a goal down in that game, funnily enough, at, at Stamford Bridge, and you thought if Spurs are going to win there, it won't be coming from one nil down. So we might need to do that at the Emirates. But they've got goals in that side usually, Arsenal, mm, and, yeah. and you know it'll be a tough game. Will be, and like I say we've got games before, as you mentioned, Chelsea into Milan, defining yeah. games really. Because so how do we yeah. how do we play this one? Because they're Saturday, Wednesday. Yep. Um, and obviously Chelsea just above you in the league, and you know you, you're both very much. I'm beating Chelsea exactly, and mm. then the Inter game. You're not out of the Champions League. You win that game, you're still in the mix. <laughs> you're very much in it. So how do you play it? Do you do you almost? Have half an hour in the inter game, or did you go full full pelt well, for the Chelsea one? I think Potter never looks. I don't think he ever looks ahead to a game and plans his selection yeah. based on a, an upcoming game. I just don't think he does that. He always picks what he always is to be his best possible team to win the game for the, the upcoming where would, one. Where would your priority lie? What would oh, you? What would, what would you rather? Would you rather see you go full full pelt against Chelsea and then almost sacrifice Inter and say Look, it's not been our year we'll, we'll drop into the Europa League perhaps or do you think you know, you've know you got the, the squad or you'd back Poch to, to, to get the players up for both I back him to make the and co- potentially yeah. risk losing out on both well I, I back him to make the correct decisions in terms of the tactics for both of those games and the selection I don't think any game takes lesser priority than than the other one I think both yeah. of those games are absolutely key for where Spurs have to have their focus we want to progress in the Champions League and let's be honest about it that intergame if it was at a different point where we started well in the Champions League group we wouldn't be in this situation let's be honest about it so no. we've left ourselves a very little choice I think we have to go into both games with our best possible team that we can put out I know that's obviously massively risky because the games are in between a couple of days but how can you sit here Jason and say one game takes more priority than the other I don't think you can can you? No you can't but I think if, if we came out of that week and you said we've beaten Chelsea we've beaten Arsenal and lost to Inter I think that's a little bit more manageable for us than to say we've lost to Chelsea we've beaten Inter and we've lost to Arsenal so uh, for me, the the Chelsea and the Arsenal games are the two much bigger ones. So you'd rather win them both? Yeah, absolutely, I would. They're, they're massive games. I think our supporters well, aren't. All that work to get in the Champions League, nine months of work. Yeah, I'm not saying you throw it away, Rick. But yeah, yeah. but the, the danger is you, you can beat Inter and you still go to Barcelona oh, and get course, absolutely yeah. kicked yeah. out of it in oh, Barcelona. Yeah, of so yeah, yeah, yeah. London pride and that ability to a win puts us above Chelsea. Mm. A win would 
in theory, take us, what, six, seven points clear of Arsenal. It would take their unbeaten record as well. And, th- and mm. it would take their unbeaten record. So I think that the two Premier games against those two clubs particularly are far more important than the, the Inter-game. That's not to say I want to yeah. chuck the Inter-game. No, 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 yeah, yeah. But for me, if, if, if it's a question of Ericsson can only play one of those two games, <laughs> I'm playing him against Chelsea and not against Inter. It's just so hard to stomach the fact that to, if we oh, were yeah. to go out of the Champions League the way it would be, Jake, it's just all, as you know, as a, as a Leicester support, when you got in that... That, that Champions it's, League it feels like everything it feels like everything and all that hard work the nine months to get into it and then you're what we're doing now is we're again we're doing the same thing this season we're competing to, keep, to be back in it what's the point yeah. you think what is the point of competing to be in this Champions League and then I get what Jason's pointing is that you know you would argue that the Arsenal and Chelsea games maybe they do take a bit more significant priority because even if you do win that intergame, there's no guarantee we're going to go to Barcelona and get a result, even though the fact Betis did over the weekend. But I just I feel uncomfortable sitting here saying that we should be prioritising the two London games over the Inter Milan game when you spend nine months of a season working so hard to get into it and to go out of it in the manner which we saw in the first couple of games, the way we performed. We had games that were won there, threw them away, poor, poor performances. And that's where we were doing the mid-season review. That's where Spurs have let themselves down this season, the way we have yeah. managed the Champions League games. I suppose the the positives from the first two games is you're both at home for them, so there's no travelling for it. Wembley, yeah. <laughs> Wembley well, yeah, there's yeah, a bit more travelling for you boys, but for, for, for the players, you know, it's not, you know, you're away into Milan and then away at somewhere yep. else. Do you know what I mean? It gives an opportunity to to get the players back in after the mm. international break, and you know it's it's not travelling, which well, you you should well, not should, but you you're kind of favourites for both. I mean, the Chelsea game maybe not so much. Yeah, there'll be full houses. I do. The only thing I think will benefit Tottenham for that Chelsea game is you mentioned about favourites. I still think Chelsea will have the edge on the favourites tag mm. with Spurs because if they are still unbeaten at the time of coming to play Spurs, you know I think you know we've already lost to. Lost at Wembley, lost to Liverpool this season there, lost to City there. Yeah. Therefore, this game again, you look at it and think, have Spurs got the ability to raise their game at Wembley for a top, top team where we actually obviously haven't done well this season when it comes to the top teams. Therefore, I think that will be a big, big game. And I think the the pressure, I think, may be more on Chelsea than Spurs. Although Spurs, are, like they say, they're, they're the home side. Yeah. They're obviously with more experience at Wembley recently. I think the pressure will be on Chelsea to maintain the unbeaten run. I also get the impression from from this crop of players that Chelsea is is to them is the really the big derby, one. the real derby, is, yeah. yeah. Because you know a lot of these players lost a, a Carabao, uh, what was it then, Carling Cup Carl final Cup, yeah. to Chelsea. That was their first disappointment. A lot of them were part of a side that's lost an FA Cup semi final. A lot of them were in the the side that went to Chelsea and was seen by the public as losing the league, even though. We all say we lost it at West Brom. That's right, they yep. still suffered that ultimate disappointment of the two-two draw at Stamford Bridge. So, you know they've lost they've lost at the Emirates, but they haven't been they haven't and but they've finished above Arsenal in those years. So they haven't been really costly to us, other than that bit of local pride. Whereas I think the Chelsea ones have have hurt them a lot more than if you think that Chelsea semi-final two years ago, I think we were actually going into that almost as favourites, yet Chelsea won the league that year. We chased Chelsea that year, Chelsea won the league. It's it's things like that. So I think Chelsea is, is seen as a bigger game amongst the players, even than the Woolwich game is. Mm. Um, of this international break and the lads that are coming back, how many of them are we hoping this couple of weeks could see them back in action? Because as you question. say, it does come at a little bit of a good time. Are realistically, we could we could see them ready to play in these games. Well, again with Trippier, we don't know much about at the moment. We know he obviously has been withdrawn from the squad. We know that's precaution. I mean, I imagine Dembele. The fact Jace is in Qatar for world class yeah, treatment, that kind gone. of 
he's gone, isn't he? The six weeks, as we know, with Dembele. I don't think you're going to see him in a Spurs shirt again. That's my gut feeling. I don't think he'll be at the club in January. I think Spurs will have the last chance there to move him on. In terms of other players, I think... Danny Rose, when Pochettino in his last press conference, he was still a few weeks away. Wanyama, we've seen him come back now. If he hasn't suffered another injury, it's great to see him get 90 minutes the other week. So I think the core squad will be there, to answer yeah. your question, Jake. Yeah. But yeah, Dembele obviously missing a blow. And Trippi, we have to wait and see. But Ori has been good so far. Yeah, and Vertonghen will still be missing Yeah, Vertonghen, well. of course, yeah. Long-term injury. And just very quickly, guys, we've got about a minute or so left mm. before we have to leave this evening. Just had a, a tweet. Uh, kind of an interesting one. Uh, is there any coincidence that the players kind of stumbling over new deals are kind of the Dutch Ajax yeah, ex-boys? from Dan from Yudvid. So, Dan, hope you're well. It's an interesting one, isn't it? You do wonder, Jason, if that's anything of a connection there. Well, yeah, could, could they possibly have the I same agent? No, I hope it's a coincidence because when we're being linked with people like De Ligt and and De Jong who are oh, from yeah. Ajax, you certainly, don't want, you, you certainly don't want agents that are working with all those players. Yeah, it is interesting. Is, is Zayac, is, is, have you been linked with him at all the attack midfielder at Ajax? Probably. Yeah. We've been linked with them and their recruitment staff. Jake, <laughs> we'll, we'll take them all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an interesting point. Are the Dutch Ajax players stalling because they've all got the same agent and maybe we'll want that little bit of extra cash. So, good, guys... Uh, Final assessment. I want some score predictions from you. Um, For these three games coming up? Yeah. You're a brave man. Okay, quickly fit Start with in. Chelsea. England 2, America nil. Don't care. Don't <laughs> care Croatia nil, England 3 or something. Uh, I'm going to go with 1-0 to Spurs against Chelsea. Yep. Harry Kane. Arsenal 2-2. Two, two. Score draw. Inter Milan. We are going to take it to the Barcelona game. I'm going with 3-1 Spurs. We've all got one. And we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.